Uh, Deborah has presented to us a very challenging parable for this week, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, a parable that challenges our notions of what is just and right and fair. Now, you may remember that last week I talked about how all these readings over the last several weeks in church have been showing us how to be the church, and that being the church means being part of an alternative reality, a community very unlike any of the other communities that we might participate in. Being part of the church means being part of a community that does not operate the way the world normally operates. So you, you kind of got that theme in today's parable where people who have worked for one hour have been given a full day's pay, the very same amount that is given to people who have worked maybe 10 or 12 hours through the heat of the day. So that causes some resentment for the people who've been there all day, a resentment with which we might sympathize. But then the kicker in all of this is that the vineyard owner in this parable is presumed to be God. This is a, a common biblical image for God as keeper or owner of the vineyard. And in that biblical metaphor, God's people are the workers in the vineyard, charged with tending the vines and producing fruit. So we have a story in which this radical unfairness, this apparent injustice in the payment of wages is attributed to God. God is radically unfair according to the way the world normally works. <clears throat> Something else I said last week is that these stories remind us that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. That goes with that idea of the church being not like the world. God's ways are not like our ways and participating in the kingdom of God Working in the vineyard, being part of the church, means participating in a community that's very unlike the world around us. I suspect that this idea, this idea of the church being so different from the world, of God being so radically unfair according to human standards, these ideas make some of us, many of us, perhaps, perhaps all of us at some level, uncomfortable the church unlike the world, the church, the church being so potentially unfair, the church being a place where the last will be first. Think about this for a moment. How comfortable are you with the idea of the last being first, of the, the late comers being given the full day's pay? the new arrivals being accorded all the rights and privileges and responsibilities of membership in the community. I mean, this idea, we like the idea when we hear it, the last will be first. It sounds nice to us, but in practice, in practice it means us, those who have been there first maybe, uh, in, depending on the circumstance, it means relinquishing some of our privilege the status we've attained through long experience, toiling through the heat of the long day, putting in our time and swept. This year, for me, is the 10th anniversary of my ordination uh, into ministry in the United Church. Now, 
Ten years ago when I was ordained, people around me in the church thought that I had promise. They thought that I would make a good minister someday. As a newbie, I was warmly welcomed uh, and, and more seasoned members of the church more generously made space for me as a novice minister stumbling and bumbling along. Well, some things haven't changed, I guess. I still do some of that. People welcomed me, though. They made room for me for the exercise of the gifts that God had given me. And then as the years went by, I developed a reputation, a good reputation, I should say. And I got asked to serve the church in a variety of roles, mostly with our BC conference. More years went by, and today I see that there's a whole new crop of leaders that has emerged in our church, some of whom look to me as a wise elder, now, I'm honored by that appraisal, and I hope that I always continue to earn the esteem of my colleagues in ministry. But it also comes with this dawning realization that I'm no longer the newbie that everyone's excited about. That the reputation or stature I have earned, has built up over time, will start to fade. Will start to fade as the reputations of these newer uh, people in leadership uh, start to shine more brightly. I'm becoming the old hand, the competent, experienced one whose task is to generously make room, make room for others, and celebrate the ways that God has gifted them. Now, maybe this is just my midlife crisis talking here, uh, but the process gives me some insight into this notion of relinquishing privilege, of welcoming and not resenting those whom God has recruited into the church. See, ultimately, that's what this parable is about. God is a relentless recruiter, ever seeking to bring more and more and more into the kingdom, into the church. And then God invites these newcomers, those late arrivals, into full participation in the life of the church, with full privileges, full rights, allowing them, these newcomers, to change the nature of who we are as a body. That can be uncomfortable for us because it threatens our sense of stability, the stability we long for in our church family. Not only are many of us uncomfortable with the whole notion of actively recruiting others to join uh, this family, we're also deeply ambivalent about the impact that an influx of new people might have on our family. Hmm. God's ways are not our ways. The church is not like the world. It's not meant to be like the world. It's meant to be different. Different in a way that might be uncomfortable for us. We've become comfortable with the idea of the church as primarily a community designed to meet our needs. Our needs for fellowship and care, for spiritual nurture and spiritual growth. We've tended to become inwardly focused, and God has become for us a kind of um, patron, a distant figurehead who inspires our values and our actions. I sometimes think back to my childhood, those old faded portraits of the queen that you'd see on the walls of public buildings. I think we sometimes think about God like that. 
as this kind of distant constitutional monarch over our religious life. Hmm. Not in this parable, though. Right? God's the, the, the vineyard owner, the landlord who keeps going, going, going into town five, six times a day. God is a relentless recruiter seeking to make a family out of strangers, always stretching the boundaries of community. There's another story. It's in the book of Acts, the story of the birth of the church. It also describes God as this relentless recruiter extending the boundaries of the vineyard. Peter, you'll remember Peter is the, the chief disciple, uh, the, the rock, the leader. And in this story in Acts, he's invited to the home of Cornelius, a Gentile, a Gentile who's very important, has a whole household of people around him. Cornelius invites him to share the story of Jesus, and while he's there sharing the story of Jesus with the gathered crowd in this Gentile house, something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit descends upon those gathered, and Peter and his Jewish colleagues are gobsmacked. They don't know what to think. They thought the Holy Spirit was just for them, just for the insiders. But then they see this sign of God's active, relentless seeking out of strangers. God's going beyond the boundaries. God's going where God will go and making new members of God's family. And so Peter asks, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptized into God's family, made full members with all of the rights and privileges and responsibilities, offered a full day's wages even though they've only just heard the story of Jesus. What a radical change that must have been and how uncomfortable Gentiles and Jews, old-timers and late-comers in one church, one family, the next part of the story, that one, involves Peter going back to head office in Jerusalem to defend and explain his action in baptizing Gentiles. And he tells them, the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles. And he says, if God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? <laughs> and so it is for us. Who are we that we would hinder God? Today you have been part of this story. Today we have lived this story. The Holy Spirit came down again and extended the bounds of our family. God, that old relentless recruiter, has made a new family out of strangers. Mari, Marcia, Tori, and Heather, Ruthann. We welcome you. And we, celebrate, we celebrate all of the ways that God has gifted you. Come and share your gifts in this place. Come and change us that we may be a more faithful witness, a more faithful uh, to our calling as God's people. Little Ella. Baby Ella and little Andrew and your parents, we give thanks to God for you. 
For the sign that you have shown us that God is not done with us yet, that God is not some distant patron of our settled congregational life, but that God is alive and active, roving, roving amongst us even today, issuing invitations. Come, come, take your place and do your part in the kingdom of heaven. We look forward to the way our little ones will shape the church in the years to come. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, make us more closely resemble you in what we do and say. Preserve us from speaking as if the bounds of your kingdom begin and end with our congregation. Save us from talking as if our faith is the result of our efforts or our goodness or our decisions. Guard us from loving, seeking, and serving only those who are within this church. Help us to care as you care, caring for all and not only caring but also searching and seeking all, inviting and welcoming all to gather with us to praise your name and seek your will. Give us some small portion of your passion to seek and save the lost, to invite and welcome all into your embrace. Amen.